All right, so let's get to our message today. You know, Eddie, oh my gosh, you know, so much time has gone. Hopefully you don't have one of those really long messages prepared for us today. And I don't. So, you know, praise the Lord. Yes, thank you. You're, that's the that's the time to really clap during the service, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, let's turn to Matthew 10. Uh, we're going to read verses 9 and 10 once again. We're going we're continuing our series through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, verse 9 reads, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the ways you're speaking to us through the series. Continue to do it. Continue to speak to us. Continue to challenge what we believe. Continue to challenge how we choose to live. Continue to challenge the way we think and our perspectives, God, so that our hearts, minds, and bodies, and dreams can align to yours. We know that's what you want. Make it what we want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, has this series been changing your life? Seriously. <laughs> Not that I don't believe you. you know, but has this series at least been like really challenging your life? I hope so. You know, I, even though we've only been through le like two or three lessons on the actual Lord's Prayer itself, it's something that's really been challenging me like profoundly. And it's been really, really difficult. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's reminded me what life is all about. Isn't that terrible for a pastor to say? But it reminded me what life is all about. It reminded me what place everything in my life has. I looked at my wife the other day. I said, oh, you exist for God's glory, not for my pleasure. You know, whatever. You know I, sorry. But that's what, I, that's what I thought. You know, I just thought, you know, anyway. You know, it, it reminds me exactly what place everything is to have in light of who he is and in light of, you know, his name and his glory. And it's constantly challenging me to surrender more of myself to him so that he can have the glory in my life. You know, it's that first line who that always gets me. You know, you know, our Father in heaven. Because whenever I think about that, I, I do think about the Father part, but mostly I really think about the in heaven part because, you know, God is so transcendent. He is nothing like human beings or like me. You know, he is so much greater. I can't even fathom the things that he thinks about, right? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are totally nothing like mine. They would never resemble anything that I would probably think about. He is that much greater. However... As transcendent as he is, it is this transcendent, amazing God that called me to have heart-to-hearts with him. Not only, but as his son. You know, he's called me to have heart-to-hearts heart with him as his son. And that fact alone blows me away. Honestly, I'll be very frank with you. Last Friday, I went to the prayer meeting. I didn't know what to pray because just that thought alone, I didn't have any words after that because it was the greatest and that's the best, you know? But God says you got to pray because, what does he say in James? He says, you don't get because you don't what? Ask. Right? So he wants us to ask for things. That actually does please God. But you know what the problem is? The problem is that we've been learning is that so often we pray the wrong things, don't we? What? Is there a wrong, wrong way to pray, Eddie? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a wrong way to pray. But you know what I do know? There are good prayers and there are bad prayers. That is for sure. Okay? And this is what I mean by that. Um, you know, this Lord's Prayer, you know, if you don't know, Jesus said, let me teach you 
how to pray. That's exactly what he told the disciples in Luke. That was his intention. Let me teach you how to pray these prayers, which means that Jesus is saying, if you pray your prayers like this, then this will be a prayer that pleases God. What does that mean? It means that if you don't pray like this, it's very possible that you'll pray prayers that don't please God. So there are good prayers and there are bad prayers. If you pray this prayer, if you pray the pattern of this prayer, if you pray what's behind these phrases in this prayer, then you'll pray prayers that please God, that literally probably will transform your life. Stay, it will keep you aligned according to the Father's heart and the Father's will. And God will use you powerfully to do his thing. That's how powerful this prayer is. But there's also prayers for all those other things, too, which may not be that good. So let's pray prayers that actually pleases God. We learned last week that a prayer that pleases God is a prayer that wants his name to be hallowed above all. Does anyone remember what that, what that means? Hallowed be thy name. What's the gist of that thing? It means we're telling God that there's nothing that will ever compete in our lives against him. And everything within our lives will be for him, right? That's what it means to hallow his name. Everything in our lives is to be about God and for God. That is what it means for us to hallow his name. And I'll be very frank with you, that line has been bothering me all week, right? I know you guys know that I had a vertigo incident like maybe three or four weeks ago. I'll be very frank with you, something's messed up. You know, the connection between my brain and my emotions and my body, it just is not functioning right. You know, I get emotional and then my body goes wacko. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'll just like, my body will go wacko and then I'll get headaches and I can't think, I can't read. You know, I don't know what happens. Some, it's just something's not connected right. And so, you know, what I've been doing for these past few weeks, I just pray every single day, like all day what? God, heal me. You know, please. I don't speak Korean, but I started to pray in Korean because I'm that desperate, you know. I figure more languages will make it better, you know. You know, whatever, I don't know. Please. I'm like praying, you know, in every, God, heal me, heal me, heal me. And it's, I'm just begging like there's no tomorrow. But then I don't know if it was God or if it was just my thinking, but this thought came into my heart and I, I think it's God. And the question basically that I felt like I was confronted with was this. Why are you praying for your healing? I mean, who exactly is that healing for, Eddie? Is it for you because you just want it? Or is it for my glory that you're praying for that? And I'll be very frank with you. I didn't know that there was a second option. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. I just thought, hey, we're kids of God. We're supposed to pray to get healed. He's Jehovah Rapha, man. You know, you, Lord, our healer. So if we're sick, we're supposed to pray for healing. I just, I, thought, I just thought that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. I never thought that, we're, that there was a right way or a wrong way to pray for healing according to hallowing God's name. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, it's for me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about you. I just want it. And then I felt like God was saying, exactly. That's a problem, isn't it? You just want what you want. And you're just demanding what you want in your life without any thought of my glory. How do you know that I won't allow you to continue to be sick? Because maybe, just maybe, I might get more glory out of you being sick and messed up than me actually healing you. What if I can actually get more glory for my name through your sickness, through your family, through your church, through all of your friendships? And I was like, wow, I was floored. 
And I realized I got to change the way I pray. I got to change the way I look at everything. So this is how I pray now. I pray every day, God, I'm messed up. <laughs> you know, please heal me. I still pray it. But only heal me if it'll bring you greater glory. If it doesn't, don't do it. If my suffering and pain and my confusion will actually produce a greater glory for yourself, then instead of lamenting it, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm just going to celebrate it, right? That's it. Because it's all about you. It's all about your glory. It's not about me and what I want. But if this will bring your greater glory, then hallowed be your name. It's tough. But it's so good. And it's so necessary, right? It really teaches us that if our greatest desire is to hallow the name of God, then Christianity can never be about what I want. It's not about me. It's not about my desires and my dreams. It can never be about our best life now. <laughs> you know, sorry. Because <laughs> Christianity is about his glory always. That's it. There's no, like, footnote. That's it. Do you guys get that? Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at this verse. This verse literally says, I died. Do you guys read that? I've been crucified with Christ. I died. I'm dead. That's what this verse says. Isn't that crazy? I'm dead. My life is no longer about me. That's what that verse says. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Oh my gosh. Do you guys memorize that verse when you were younger? I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I am dead. But it's Christ now who lives in me, meaning that my whole life, if I'm alive, if I wake up one day and one morning and I find myself, oh my goodness, I have breath and I have life today, then it is Christ who lives in me. And what does that mean? It means that it is Christ who now directs my life for his glory alone. My studies, not for me. My job and career is not for me. That's not mine. My marriage, my children, not for me. My income, not my money. You know what I'm saying? My body is not mine. Rights, I have none. I died. I'm dead. My life exists for Christ to have full control over it. Do you see? That's what these verses are teaching us. And if we don't live with that as our reality and truth, if that is not our default operating system, then you know what we're going to end up doing with our lives, which we're probably doing already just like I am? You know, there's a great verse in Jonah which says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace and mercy that could be theirs. We'll end up living this life clinging to worthless idols that cause us to forfeit the mercy of God in our lives, that cause us to miss out on all the graces of God within our lives. Do you see that? Yes, sin messes us up. Yes, it does. 
But on top of that, the most ridiculous thing about Christians today is that we chase after the worthless idols. Money, fame, success, security, control, comfort, relationships. None of those things are bad in and of themselves. But if they replace God as number one, that's sin because that's idol worship. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to take back what's ne- what was never ours in the first place. What was God's? And those things, if we cling on to those things, they're just going to destroy us, right? We've been in church long enough to know that those things are going to destroy us. And that's going to destroy everything that we were ever saved for. So Jesus is saying, if you're going to pray this prayer, man, he's got to be number one. That's the main message. God's got to be everything. That's the way. That's the only way to pray our Father in heaven. That's the only way to pray, hallowed be your name. Everything is about you. Everything is for you. My whole life, I'm dead. It's all you, and you're living through me, so therefore every, control everything. You know, I submit myself. I give myself full control to all that you are because that's what you saved me for. That's what I was created for, for your glory, your name, your fame. So use me to do that for you. You know, if you're very honest with yourself, if, we're, if we think about it objectively, if we can't say those two lines, there's only two lines, but if you can't say those two lines very honestly, our Father in heaven, how be, be your name. If you can't say those two lines the way that Jesus is calling us to pray those two lines, then there's kind of no point in praying anything else after that, right? Because everything else will just be religion. Because if our hearts and our lives are not about his glory and his fame alone, then what does it matter if we get our daily bread? You know, what does it matter if we forgive people? It's not like, you know, our whole lives are about Jesus. But God's saying our, your whole life is to be about Christ. Do you guys get that? That's what's amazing yet challenging about these first two phrases. Our God in heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So make your life about God alone. These prayers must change our lives. Please take them seriously. Please please pray over these things. Cause them to open up your heart so that God could speak to you about these worthless idols maybe that we're clinging to that cause us to forfeit our relationship with God. You know? Cool? You guys ready for the next phrase? <laughs> no, not after that. You know, but here we go. You know, these next two lines in this prayer, they're the, actually the natural outflowing of praying, hallowed be your name, because they talk about what hallowed be your name practically looks like within each one of our lives. So today we're studying the first request, you know, which is the second request of the prayer, which is your kingdom come. Okay. Now that word come is a very interesting word. It's a very unique word because in the actual original language, it indicates a once in a lifetime event, right? It's only going to happen once. Your kingdom Come And so obviously we're probably talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, right? When, second, when Jesus Christ comes back, what he's going to do is he not only will he return, but he will judge everything and then he will establish his kingdom forever. So we're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. But the question is, why is that something that we're supposed to pray for? You know, what's the whole purpose behind us praying this actual phrase. Well, I think Jesus is really saying that true followers of Christ live their days longing for his return. And what I mean by his return is not just him coming back, but what that means when he comes back. We long for the day where evil is eventually, evil and sin is eventually eradicated, where our evil hearts that we operate with every single day can finally be perfect and holy. We long for the day Right? When sin and disease, you know, and poverty and all these terrible things in the world will finally end. You know, we long for the day where uh, jails and asylums, 
you know, we'll all be closed because, you know, we're all made perfect. We're suffering and pain will no longer exist. And every person that lives will can't wait to wake up because every breath that we will breathe, we will breathe it so that God can receive more glory. Do you know what I'm saying? How many breaths have you taken and you never thought about the glory of God? That's like 99.9% of my life, right? But every single day we'll wake up and every breath that we take will be intentional so that he'll receive more glory from us. This is what we long for. You know, we long for him to reign over every part of the world so that every part of the world can be infiltrated with his righteousness and goodness now right? He, we want to see him infiltrate every single part of society and every heart of man so that he might reign as king in each one of those environments and in every person that exists. This is a huge prayer, right? This is what we are praying to see. And the reason why we pray that is because we are not seeing that now. Okay, that's why we pray it. Let me, let me show you Psalm, a verse in Psalm, Psalm 24. This is a huge verse. You probably sang songs about this verse. Psalm 24, 1, it says what? It says, the earth is the Lord's. Right? The earth is the Lord's. That's a possessive. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it are what? Are the Lord's. This is a huge verse. What is this verse saying? It's saying that everything that exists is God. Yeah, yes, the trees are gods, the oceans are gods, right? The road that you drove on, that's God. Your car is God. But I'm talking about everything that exists is God's. Finance is God's. Academia is God's. Science is God's. Sports teams is God's, right? Moms groups, you know, is God's. Chess club is God. Everything that exists is God's, right? Not only does everything that exists belong to God, but everyone belongs to God. That's what it says, right? Every person belongs to God. Every single person that exists belongs to God. And because all of these belong to God, they were all created to be expressions of the kingdom. They were all created to be expressions of his rule. Do you understand that? Science was created so that it could express the rule and kingdom of God. Finance was created so that it could express the, uh, the kingdom and the rule of God. My mom's group, or I'm not a mom's group, my, you know, my chess club or my chat group, my chat group, whatever it is on, you know, a Facebook message, that exists for the kingdom and the rule of God. Do you guys understand this? Everything in the world is God's. Therefore, everything exists to be an expression of the kingdom and his rule. Everything and everyone is to be about God and is to be for God. And so when we look and when we see that there are places and people who have not yet submitted under the rule of God, it should grieve our heart as people who want his kingdom to come. It should grieve our heart and it should cause us to pray, God, make my workplace about you and for you. You created it for you. Make it about you and for you. God, make my classroom about you and for you. You know, make my schoolmates, my workmates, my family, my company, my Instagram page about you and for you. 
Everything was created for you. Everything was created to be an expression of your kingdom and your rule in this world and especially within my life. So God, use me so that these arenas that I encounter every single day can be transformed to be for you and to live under your rule. Do you understand that? But the question is this, how, how is God exactly going to do that? How is God, how is God going to use us to bring his kingdom and his rule into those arenas? And you know what the answer is? Through your preaching of the gospel. What? Eddie, do I really have to do that? <laughs> you know? Can't I just be really good and nice and like pray for them? And then can't God just do that mystical, magical thing where he, like, people see Jesus through me? Because that's what we talk about at church all the time, right? People see Jesus through me if I'm nice and I'm good and I pray for them. Can't we just do it that way? Do I actually have to, like, tell people the gospel and challenge them to repent and to follow after Jesus? And here's my answer to that. If there were verses in the Bible that actually endorsed that whole mystery, secret, I'm just going to pray for them thing and people become Christians because of that, I would endorse it. But there are none. You know? What does Jesus say? What's the last thing that Jesus ever told us to do in Matthew 28? Let's look at that together, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Jesus says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven has been given to me, on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Do you see what he says here? He says, Go! And infiltrate the nations. That's what he says. You know, that nice thing. No, I want you to go and I want you to infiltrate the nations. The word nations is a very curious word. It's a very cool word. It doesn't actually mean countries. It means people groups, right? Which I think is much more appropriate for 2020. Go and infiltrate people groups. Go and, go and infiltrate academia. Go and infiltrate your workplace. Go infiltrate your mom's chat room. Whatever it is, these people, groups, infiltrate that. What are we supposed to do if we infiltrate that? I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the, whole, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, how are you going to do that? The only way to baptize someone is why? Why do we baptize people? Because they put their faith in Christ. Which means what? That somebody shared the gospel with them and they saw Christ so clearly that they wanted to surrender their lives under the rule of the king. So God's saying, I want you to infiltrate people groups. And I want you to share the gospel with them so that they will surrender their lives in submission to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's huge, isn't it? What is he saying there? He's saying, not only am I endorsing the preaching of the gospel with everything that we are, the Holy Trinity, but I'm willing to back you with the Holy Trinity when you preach. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's what he's saying. And when these people give their lives to Jesus, then we get to disciple them. We get to teach them how to live under the rule of God. We call that discipleship. Right? Everything is about the kingdom and the rule of God over our lives, over our, our arenas and our environments, our people groups, and all of these places. And so the Great Commission, which is what this is called, you know, Jesus gave us Great Commission, it's the call to preach the gospel. It's the call to live out the gospel so that the kingdom can infiltrate this world through you. When you open up your mouth and challenge people to surrender their lives to the king, God will use it to bring those arenas and environments 
under the rule of the king. Do you guys get that? That's the prayer. You know, Jesus never asked us to do what he never did. You know, when we look at his life, Jesus was so passionate about the kingdom and for people and people groups to live under the rule of God. Not only did he preach the gospel, but what did he do? He went and sought after the lost. You know what I'm saying? He sought after them. You know, he went to specific people. He targeted people like tax collectors and lepers and like the blind. He said, man, I got to eat with you tonight because there's something I got to share with you. There's something you need to know. There is a king that you were created to serve, you know? And that's what he did. He healed those who were sick. He defended those who were weak. He called people to repentance. He confronted hypocrisy and injustice. And many, many times he got persecuted for it. That might be a foreshadowing of our lives too. And he directly challenged people to live in obedience and devotion. You know, Jesus was so driven by this desire to see the kingdom of God and the rule of of God reign in people's lives that he was willing to put his life on the line. And he did, didn't he? To make that happen. And now he commissions us to do exactly the same thing. That's what it means to pray, your kingdom come. So when we pray, your kingdom come, not only are we asking God to infiltrate places and change lives so they can live under his rule, we are actually asking God to anoint our preaching and to anoint our kingdom-obedient lives to make those changes in them and in those places. It's a radical prayer. Isn't it? God, use me as a kingdom worker to affect this area eternally for your glory. God, use me to, you know, to change the people in this chat room eternally for your glory so that your name might be greater through him, so that they can live under your rule. Use me as that kingdom worker. Make me holy. You know, make me sub utterly submissive to you and to, to your will. Help me to live obedient to you. Use holy instruments. Make me a holy instrument so you can use me powerfully so that your name can be made great through, you know, my classroom, through my workplace, through my workmates, through my neighbor, whatever it is, whatever, whoever and wherever I go, God, use me to make that eternal difference. May your kingdom come. Do you guys get that? That's the prayer. It's a huge prayer, isn't it? That's a huge prayer. But once again, it challenges us not only with what we really believe Christianity to be, but how we choose to live out our faith. You know, it's always going to be like this. And this is the always question that we have, you know, because we're selfish. You know, did God save me? Here's the question I always ask is this. Did God save me so that I could be happy, successful, and prosperous? You know, is faith about me and for me? And all of us here know, of course, it's not. Eddie, you asked that question so many times. You got us with that question before, but no, we're, we're, we're not stupid. You know, we know that the answer is no, right? It's not about me. It's not for me. And you're, you'd be exactly right. But then the question is, why then is that when we wake up in the morning, all we're ever concerned about is us? You know, we are the center of our own concerns. We're the center of our own goals. We're like the center of our own prayers. We're like the center of all of our efforts. You know, why don't we wake up excited and, and be like, hey, I can't wait to go to work today because I can't wait to see God reclaim my workplace. Do you wake up like that? I can't wait to see God reclaim this, this you know, my, my Instagram page. I can't wait to see what God's going to do and how he's going to, you know, reclaim these people and these environments for his glory through me. Do you wake up like that? But that's what this prayer is calling us to do and calling us to be. We are people, we are to be his children who long for the kingdom to come. Long for the kingdom to come. This 
is what he wants. But Eddie, you don't understand, man. <laughs> you, know, you don't understand my work environment. It is so hostile. It is so non-Christian. You don't understand, man, my classroom, right? You don't understand the environments I encounter and the places and the environments I need to work in. You don't understand the people I work with. And the answer is true, 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 true. I don't. But let me tell you what's even more truer. Those hostile environments are God's. And those people who work in those hostile environments are God's. You know? And they exist for him to reign in and through them because they belong to him. And so when we find ourselves waking up every single morning and not longing for his kingdom to come, not longing to see what God might do today to reclaim things for his glory, when we wake up in that way, the real question we need to ask ourselves is, how much do I really believe that this is really his? How much do I really believe that this belongs to him and that I'm called to work for his glory eternally to bring his kingdom to these places? Do I really believe that? You can say you believe it. But when you look at how you live that day, do you really believe it? And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Let's just, we're, just, we're just calling an orange an orange, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just trying to help you live faithfully for God the way God wants us to live faithfully for him. That's what he's challenging us to do. But that's why this prayer is so necessary. We need to change so that his kingdom can be our greatest desire. And so all of these environments and all the people in it can eventually live under his rule one day. All right. But Eddie, that's not easy. I know the mission is never easy. But that's why Jesus teaches us this prayer. That's why we need to pray this prayer, you know? If we truly see our Father in heaven and we truly see that he is worthy of all things, then we will give ourselves fully to him. That's it. Our, we, we're fully surrendered. You know, you're yours. And then as a result, if hallowing his name becomes our greatest goal and passion, then to live our lives for his kingdom come, no matter what suffering or pain we go through for it, is not only worth it, but that's the life that declares how worthy he truly is. And that is the life that he saved us for. That is the life that he created us for. And that is the life that he's calling us to through this prayer today. Do you guys get that? Life is all about God. Life is all about his name, his fame, his glory, and his kingdom. It is not about us. And the privilege and honor, but the privilege and honor we have is to be used to reclaim the king's environments and the king's people for the king. And that's what we're called to. Will it cost us our lives? Yes, in every single way. But that is why this prayer is so important. Because it keeps us on the narrow path so that our lives can be about him and his kingdom alone. Let's be people who not only pray your kingdom come, but live it for his glory. Let's pray. There's a lot of challenges, but I love these challenges. I love these big picture challenges. I love the challenges that cause me to really ask myself, am I legit or not? I love it. I hope you love it too when you come to church. Because when we get confronted with those truths, 
hopefully it causes us to become more legit. You know what I'm saying? It causes us to want to give ourselves to God more, to make our lives completely about his glory in every single way. Whatever you're going through, whatever you encounter, do you truly believe that those are God's? That God designed and created those things so that he can reign and rule in those places and that he wants to use you to bring his kingdom to those places. He will when you walk in his ways, when your heart is beating with his and you're willing to walk in the steps of Jesus to bring his kingdom there. That's it. Will you pray about those things in your life? Will you ask God to speak to you more clearly? Will you ask God to reveal himself in those ways much more clearly so that your life can really be about reclaiming the kingdom for his glory in every way? Let's just pray and let's give ourselves to him right now. Let's pray. everything is yours everything is yours we're dead everything is yours we no longer live everything is yours God teach us how glorious those truths are so that we might move in those truths every single day they may drive us every single day that our greatest longing would truly be to see you reclaim your people your environments for your glory And if we're not there yet, God, teach us. Bring us to that place where that will be all that we do want. Help us, God, because we need you to do that. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.